Super Talk Mississippi media production. Spring is in the air, and that means it's time to refresh your wardrobe with the season's hottest trends at the Black Sheep Boutique. Don't blend in this spring. Stand out with the Black Sheep Boutique with two locations to serve you in Tupelo or Saltillo or online at theblacksheepboutiquetupelo.com. You're listening to the Rebel Report Podcast, where it's all Ole Miss all the time. Here's your host, Michael Borky. Welcome in, everybody, to the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Always glad to be with you on this Friday morning. Appreciate you guys checking out the podcast and hanging out for a little while. Ole Miss basketball has a big one in the sold-out pavilion tomorrow. And look, I mean, it's January 1st as I record this. The game will be played on January 2nd, obviously. Using the phrase free shot in basketball seems kind of goofy because there's a, a lot of games and teams can afford losses. You, you lose in basketball. The best teams still lose sometimes. But I feel like Saturday for Chris Beard's team is uh, is kind of just like a free shot. I, I don't think losing uh, does damage in any way, shape, or form. It is certainly not going to hurt any kind of resume or net ranking. I know it's really too early to be talking about that. But uh, a loss to this Memphis team who's really good and Their non-conference schedule is brutal, and they're navigating it well. It's a good team. They're going to have a really good rating. Losing this game is not going to hurt them at all. But you're not supposed to be at that level yet seven games into the Chris Beard tenure. So it's going to be an incredible environment. I know fans are really going to enjoy it. The student section is going to be packed. Again, the game's sold out. It might not be quote-unquote full uh, because of... You know, where season ticket holders are located sometimes. But still, incredible environment. It's just going to be fun to see that seven games in, you already have generated this kind of fan excitement and buy-in into the program when this is clearly, I know they're trying to win, but clearly a building year into something greater moving forward. It's just impressive that uh, that they're already at this point where fans are as locked in as they are and all of this stuff off the court that Chris Beard has done to try to get fan engagement going and interest in buy-in, you're seeing the fruits of that labor already. And so uh, I'm excited to watch the team play. I'm excited to see how they stack up with a really talented and really good Memphis team uh, after looking as impressive as they did on Tuesday. Curious to see uh, how Cissé is able to contribute, uh, whether or not he's like a full go minutes-wise or they're going to ease him into it. Uh, I don't know. There's just a lot to look forward to this weekend in basketball. But today... We're talking about football. We will do something post-game. I will be uh, out of town on Saturday. I will watch the game in full, but Saturday night I've got something going on. So uh, podcast will probably happen sometime on Sunday, reacting to the basketball game, win or lose, doesn't matter. And of course, there's going to be portal stuff and everything that happens over the next few weeks as well in football. So I'll get that to you. It won't be immediately after the game. Just a a heads up there because I will be uh, out of town. But enjoy yourself if you're going. Have fun. The, the fact that they're here right now is impressive, and uh, it is, I think, it's a, it's a free shot. You can't get hurt by a loss, but you sure as hell can gain from a win. I think by definition, that is a free shot. We've got football to talk about today, though. You've got some roster movement stuff or retention stuff uh, happening for the football team, and also the bowl game scenario. A lot of people are talking about it. What has to happen this weekend for Ole Miss to get an access bowl? It seems unlikely, but it's possible, so we'll discuss that as well on this edition 
of the Rebel Report. If you're listening on the website, pull out your favorite podcast app. I recommend Spotify, but any of them work because you can find this podcast there. Search Rebel Report, subscribe, and leave a rating and a review. Also, follow me on social media at Michael Borky, B-O-R-K-E-Y, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all there. Uh, Would love to see you and hear from you on all of my social media channels. I appreciate you guys, those of you that reach out, uh, especially in my Twitter DMs. It's uh, it's fun hearing from you and interacting with you, so keep that up. All right, the news of the week, I think, in Ole Miss football is that J.J. Pegues uh, announced that he signed a new deal with the Grove Collective and is returning to Ole Miss in 2020. I was about to say 2022. For the 2024 season, and... That's obviously a big deal. Um, he, he's a locker room guy, a veteran defensive lineman who can be very productive and still has some growing to do. Don't forget, he hadn't really played defensive line all that long uh, either. And uh, a very clearly, very clearly was an important piece to this Ole Miss defense this year. Veteran guy, experienced, quality player on top of that also. Just from a football perspective, having him back is obviously a very big and important deal. But also... There, there's the other side of this, the uh, the money component, the the NIL component, stuff like that, the roster building in today's college football, where a guy of JJ Pegues's caliber. Now, I don't know what his deal is. Uh, I have a I have an idea of what I think he's getting paid, and if that idea is accurate, if if what I've been, uh, if what I think is true is true, then. What Ole Miss will be paying J.J. Pegues this year is much cheaper than what you would have to pay to get a J.J. Pegues out of the portal. A guy of his exact experience and caliber would command more than what Ole Miss is paying him. Essentially, kind of, it sounds like you may have gotten a hometown discount, if that makes sense, uh, with him, which is important for a lot of reasons. Uh, retaining Quality players on your roster is important, but also I think, and again, I could be wrong, I'm wrong often, uh, I think that this is an economical thing where if he happened to have gone to the NFL, replacing that exact player would be more expensive than what he's costing this year. So I think it's an economical thing, helping Ole Miss as well, but the the, the story of J.J. Pegues to me, is an under-talked about, an under-discussed uh, thing when it comes to the NIL era in college football because all we hear about is how terrible it is and nobody's loyal anymore and this is not sustainable and the 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 dollar amounts are insane and, and this can't continue and, and this is just awful and, and we hear that conversation all the time. But you're ignoring people like JJ Pegues, which I know he transferred from Auburn, but still um He's remaining loyal to Ole Miss. Uh, he, he could have hit the portal again. I, I assume he has a degree by now and gotten a ton of money, or he could have gone to the NFL. But what I love about this element of NIL is that this is a player like him is beneficial with no downside. And here's what I mean by that. So, Pegues, I think, could have found his way onto an NFL roster or a practice squad after this year, but that wasn't guaranteed. So he gets guaranteed money. He will stay in school longer and either get a degree, an additional degree, or work towards one. That's very important, by the way. So he'll stay in school. He'll get to work on his craft and maybe improve his draft stock, get guaranteed money on top of all of that. 
there is no downside to this, in my opinion. This is the thing about NIL that nobody talks about, where you've got fringe NFL prospects that in years past would have had to have just gone. You're healthy. You might end up on a team. You just got to go. You got to get paid. Staying in college is risky because you get nothing except for injured if you stay again. Not anymore. He gets guaranteed money. He gets to continue his academic career. He's helping Ole Miss. Ole Miss is going to help him as well. It's a win-win-win-win for college football as a whole. Fringe NFL prospects staying in college. Mature locker room guys as well. Young people staying in school, working on their craft, and also getting some financial stability on top of all of that, I think is great for the overall health of college football. The more a guy like J.J. Pegues is playing in college, the better college football is for that. So for all of the talk about $2 million quarterbacks and mercenaries and stuff like that, don't forget about people like J.J. Pegues, who is a good locker room dude, who will play in the NFL, I think, but is now getting an opportunity to further education, make money, get better, and help his school all at the same time. This is why I like NIL for people like J.J. Pegues. I think this is good. This part of it is very good for college football. So it's good that he's back. He, he, he will help Ole Miss in a lot of different ways. Ole Miss will help him too, and, uh, and I love to see it. They're working on others as well. I know that uh, you've seen some movement in the tight end room. Kyron Heath is gone, announced his intentions to enter the transfer portal. Uh, Connor, Javante Connor, uh, will be back for Ole Miss after initially announcing that um, he's hitting the transfer portal. And... I mean, I don't know this for sure, but it certainly sounds like Ole Miss kind of chose one over the other, and they chose Connor over Heath. I could be wrong, but that uh, that is what I think is going on here. They're working on Caden Prescorn. I, I know that. I don't know what the status of that is. I have heard that there is some optimism at the possibility of him returning. I don't Look, I don't know what that means. That's just what I've heard. Like that, that there is some optimism that he could come back for Ole Miss. That would obviously be huge. Uh, he would get. He would be like Pegues, right? Good locker room guy, fringe NFL prospect. Get some guaranteed money. Work on your craft. A guy like Caden Prescorn staying in college football is also good for college football. All of the same things apply that I just said about Pegues. I don't know where they are uh, as of this moment in terms of their negotiations with him. Or, or what that's like, but I know they're working on it, and I've heard that there's some optimism um, in his return. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition, but that's something to keep an eye on, especially now that they are seemingly processing one tight end. Maybe I'm reading between lines that don't exist, but that tells me that they are confident in either keeping a tight end or adding one that they don't currently have uh, in the boat. So keep that, uh, just keep that on your radar. I was asked last night about Jordan Watkins' tweets. Uh, I would encourage you to never uh, try to interpret tweets ever. I mean, I, I'm, I assume it's possible that he could have uh, gotten an offer from somewhere else that would be more than what Ole Miss is willing to pay him, especially considering what Ole Miss is working on at that position. It's entirely possible that he could go, I assume. But just, I, I'm, I'm really talking to one person here, but for the person that asked me about Watkins' tweets last night, don't read into college students tweets about anything ever just don't uh, don't do it 
You also had some kicker attrition. Uh, Caden Costa is uh, announced that he is leaving Ole Miss. Uh, I know that uh, the other Caden has one year of eligibility left should he want it. Again, I don't know this for sure, but reading between the lines, it sounds like uh, one Caden is returning, and that told the other Caden that he needs to go somewhere else so he can kick. Uh, so, yeah, it sounds like Davis is coming back. We'll see if that actually is true, but that's kind of, you know, one plus one uh, equals two. Of course, there's more to come. That's going to be a story around Ole Miss for the, the next few weeks, and really around college football is player retention, they're, they're doing negotiations every day with existing players and stuff like that. Of course, they're doing the portal thing, and they're going to do the portal thing, and they're looking at wide receivers and linebackers and defensive linemen and offensive linemen, and they're, they're going to do all that. But um, something that I'm keeping an eye on is roster retention over the next few weeks, and they're going to have to sit down and determine how valuable some of these guys with either COVID years or extra years are versus what they could possibly get in the portal. It's a balancing act that uh, that the collective is going to have to go through, very similar to what NFL teams have to do when they are balancing a uh, a salary cap. Because I know there's no salary cap in college football, but as you guys know, there's a finite amount of money. I mean, the Grove Collective is organized and well-funded, but there is only so much that they've got, and they've got to figure out how to allocate those funds. That is interesting to me. I know some fans hate that, but... Budgeting and determining the worth of certain positions and certain players is actually interesting to, to me. The only thing I wish that we had was access to the amount. I think that that would be um, easier to stomach uh, as a fan. It would also be easier to stomach if the schools that were negotiating multi-million dollar coach buyouts and television contracts, uh, if they were the ones paying for it. But that's a conversation maybe for a, a different day. So, uh, Pegues back. Uh, Javante Connor back, even though he initially announced that he was going to hit the portal. Kyron Heath gone. Uh, they're working on Priestcorn, among many others. Haven't seen an announcement from Jackson Dart yet. I expect that to come here very soon, and I expect that to be him returning to Ole Miss. I know there was some worry about that, but I don't think that there needs to be as of this moment. A kicker has been chosen. At least that's what it looks like from a 30,000-foot view. Don't read into tweets too much, and a lot more of this will be coming over the next few weeks. We'll get into the bowl game scenarios after I remind you that the podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. Check them out online, absms.com. That's the website if you're in the market for office technology and your business is located anywhere in Mississippi. So anywhere in Mississippi in the market for office technology, absms.com has you covered, Advantage Business Systems. If you tell them I sent you, you get a complimentary office technology assessment, so you tell them what you need and what your budget is, and they will find a solution for you on me. That's Advantage Business Systems. The podcast is also brought to you by Priority One Bank. Let them make you their priority. you got 16 locations here in the state of Mississippi, so there's likely one in your backyard. They have an online banking platform like you know, everybody's got an online banking platform, but theirs is a one-stop shop. My previous bank, I needed multiple apps to do everything with my money that I am able to do with one platform at Priority One Bank because they make me their priority. Check them out today at Priority One Bank. So, bowl game scenarios. It certainly sounds like, uh, for what it's worth, it sounds like the Citrus Bowl is what everybody at Ole Miss is expecting uh, to happen. That doesn't mean that will happen. So what has to happen this weekend for Ole Miss to make an access bowl? It's one of two scenarios. I really think that's kind of... That's kind of it. Realistic, anyway. I mean, we could talk about Iowa beating Michigan and what that means and all that, but 
let's be realistic here. I think the 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 most likely way that Ole Miss could slip in is one of two things. Number one, Florida State wins over Louisville extremely closely and gets left out of the playoff. Whether that means Texas is dominant uh, over Oklahoma State and they are able to jump to get in and Florida State's really not impressive with their win, uh, something like that. I mean, that's really the only way that I see this changing because I don't believe the winner of the SEC championship is going to get left out of the college football playoff. There's just no way. I know people nationally are talking about that. I think that's really foolish, if we're being honest. Uh, the SEC is not getting left out of the college football playoff. There's absolutely no shot. Uh, Michigan's not losing to Iowa. The winner of Washington and Oregon will make it. I know that's that's a debatable thing. I, I've talked about that on the radio show where I don't understand why Oregon's a win in their end, but Texas is not. Um, and then you've got Florida State and Texas. So... Um, I don't think Ohio State has a chance of making it at all, and they shouldn't. They don't deserve it. Um, if Florida State loses, and let's say Florida State and Texas lose, uh, I mean, I guess you could get two SEC teams. Uh, long story short, they need Florida State to win but not make the playoff somehow. So that would be like winning really ugly and Texas winning really, really big, uh, I guess is how that would work out. Or they need Ole Miss to jump Penn State or Missouri. Doesn't look like that's going to happen at this point, although when you compare the tangible resumes, as we've talked about before, uh, there's no reason to have Penn State in front of Ole Miss, and at this point, uh, I know what the eye test says, but eye test uh, can be flawed. The tangible resume says Ole Miss should be in front of Missouri as well, but they are currently not, so unless the committee's going to do a last-minute flip, and if Florida State wins and makes the playoff, Ole Miss will be going to the Citrus Bowl. Now, I know that's not an access bowl, and going to an access bowl is a a, a mark uh, on a resume. It's a mark of a good season. Don't forget that access bowls are going away after this year. That won't really be a thing anymore because of the 12-team playoff. So even though you want to go to an access bowl, I think you want to go to an access bowl over the Citrus Bowl. After this year, they don't really matter all that much. It's just kind of a concept that will be lost in a bygone era. You can still make history and have a one-of-one season uh, for Ole Miss in terms of volume of wins. Now, I know schedules of the past didn't have this many games, but still, it would be the first 11-win season in the history of the program. You would have, regardless of the result of the bowl game, you're still going to have a ton of momentum and hype and, and all that stuff going into next season. So losing a game, a bowl game, won't really change that, especially with what they have returning. But... Going to Orlando and beating Iowa and winning 11 games will enter this offseason with hype. Uh, I mean, I guess since 2009 where Ole Miss was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So since then, uh, hype like we haven't seen. And you would be talking about a three-year starting quarterback, presumably uh, a, a high-caliber running back coming back, a wide receiver core that's going to be uh, it's going to return talent and be infused with some more. Year two of Pete Golding, they're recruiting really well on that side of the ball. You've already, as we talked about before, getting J.J. Pegues back. The, the, the hype machine, which would be totally deserved, and that's the best part about it, right, is Ole Miss would be getting a ton of offseason hype entering year one of the 12-team playoff, and it will be a realistic conversation. I mean, 
the the 2009 season was before the playoff, right? That was in the BCS era. So making the national championship, I guess, was a conversation that people may have had locally. But you will get to spend an offseason, starting now, really, but especially if they go and beat Iowa in the Citrus Bowl, which is what would happen, by the way. That would be a great draw. I know the styles are totally different, but Iowa can't score on Furman. Uh, I mean, it's it's a game that would, I think, ultimately be a slog, like 17-3 to or something like that. But an infinitely more winnable game than I think Texas would be in the Cotton Bowl if that's what they drew. Uh, but anyway, so they would win that game, at least I think they would, and you would get to spend the next eight months talking about Ole Miss and playoff. And it would be a realistic thing. Not pie in the sky, not far-fetched, not super homers thinking that they're going to go 12-0 and every year. No, none of that. Ole Miss can win two games with a schedule that is pretty favorable. Now, I know Georgia's on it, but you can suffer two losses next year and still make the playoff just like you did this year. This year's Ole Miss team would make the playoff had they gotten off their asses, forgive my language, and gotten it implemented in time this year instead of next year. Ole Miss would be in. So you get to spend the next eight months talking about playoff scenarios and schedule and toss-up games and games that are possibly losses and guaranteed wins and what the path would be to make the playoff. And you would be talking about Jackson Dart and Quinshawn Judkins in the Heisman Trophy conversation And all of that would be real, like truly real, realistic in ways that you haven't been able to do before. And so even if Ole Miss gets snubbed from an access bowl, which is what that would be, the prospect of going to Orlando, which is a really fun trip, by the way, as a fan, if you can afford it, uh, which I can't. So that's not a shot because I couldn't afford it if I wanted to. Uh, But if you can afford it, you you go to Disney for a couple days and and watch your team play football in good weather. I mean, there there are a lot worse ways to end the season by going to Orlando, beating Iowa, winning 11 games, and entering an offseason with a couple of Heisman contenders and hype like you haven't seen before. So if it's not an access bowl, it's still a historic season that will end with with a bang, with truly a bang. So... If they don't make the access bowl, doesn't sound likely. It's still awesome. Root for Texas to kick Oklahoma State's you know what, and root for Florida State to win like fourteen to twelve or something like that. That's the only way I see them getting in. I don't see them jumping Penn State. I would love to be wrong, but if I'm not, still a hell of a season. So we will uh, we'll talk basketball next time you hear from me. And of course, I expect there to be some movement in terms of. Portal in, portal out, player retention, stuff like that. We'll talk about all that next time you hear from me. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your hoops. And I will talk to you again very soon. Y'all have a good weekend. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.